Hi, I'm Justin with Spicy Euro Games. I'm Kevin with Shiny Dolphin Games. Hey, I'm Mike from Hoff Studios. And you're listening to the Sega Lounge. Welcome to the Sega Lounge, a podcast dedicated to our love for all things Sega, be it the games, the music, or the community. I'm KC, and each episode I'll be talking to different guests and sharing their passion for Sega. Hello, my name is David, but I'm better known as KC around the interwebs. Here's a little info about me for those who are not familiar with my previous works. I've been hosting live shows on Radio Sega since 2012. Shows like Radio Sega's Top 40 Countdown and The Manic Monday Show. In 2014, the idea for a talk show on Radio Sega materialized in the form of The Sega Lounge, an experimental project that was actually a lot of fun and allowed me to interview a lot of great people from around the Sega fan community and some legends from the video game industry. It's been on hiatus for a while, but now... Welcome to episode 100 of The Sega Lounge. The first one of season 5 of the podcast. Whether you've been with me since the very beginning in 2014, or you've just joined, thank you very much for listening. The Sega Lounge is an interview-based podcast, so you can still expect different guests every week, and the randomness of having those guests play a little game with me in a segment I call The Sega Lounge Challenge. This project started as a radio show on Radio Sega, and the recordings of that live show were archived as a podcast. Starting this season, though, the line between the show and the podcast will be clearer. You can still listen to the Sega Lounge on Radio Sega, every Thursday at 8pm GMT. The podcast, with new episodes out every Friday, will be its own thing, presenting you, more often than not, with more content and the full interviews, as opposed to more trimmed-down and radio-friendly versions of the show. That being said, you'll have a big reason to tune in to Radio Sega every week. It's the only place where you can listen to the musical requests of my amazing guests. From time to time, though, you can expect a different episode of the podcast in the form of a roundtable or the actual recording of a live episode airing on Radio Sega first. If you have any ideas, suggestions or constructive criticism, please send me an email to kc at radiosega.net. As the Sega Lounge is now hosted by Anchor, you can also make use of the Messages feature by going to anchor.fm slash thesegalounge. I might even play some of them in future episodes. Again, thank you so much for listening to the Sega Lounge. I hope you enjoyed this new season, and I'll continue to work hard to improve the format and quality of the podcast. This week's guests are a team of people that made a great little game, Polyroll. It's available now on Steam and the Nintendo Switch, and you definitely should check it out if you're into retro-looking platformers inspired by the likes of the 8-bit Sonic games and even classic Mario. Later in the show, Green Viper 8 will share his thoughts on the game, so stay tuned for that. But for now, here's the interview with the Polyroll team. Hello guys, welcome to the Sega Lounge. Hello. Hello. Welcome. So we have 
Mike, Justin, and Kevin, and you guys are here to talk about uh, Polyroll, uh, a brilliant game that we'll, we'll discuss at length, I'm sure, during the interview. So, first of all, would you like to introduce yourselves and talk a little bit about what you've been doing and what your role in with Polyroll is? Yeah, I guess I'll start. I'm uh, Mike. I'm Huff Studios is my company. Um, I'm the publisher of the game, um, so mostly what I did is uh, pay for things. And uh, I also helped a lot with like QA and, you know, and, like trying the game out and giving feedback and getting feedback from people and things like that. And I don't know, pretty much whatever needed to be done. So awesome. Um, and I am Justin of Spicy Euro Games. Uh, I am the developer of the game. Uh, I originally built this game way back when for iOS in 2012. Um, so a long time ago, and then I teamed up with Kevin to uh, get it up to snuff and do basically a complete uh, reinvention of it for the PC and Switch release. And I am Kevin. I uh, helped out with the programming mostly, so a little bit of game design help, but mostly that was all Justin, and I'm doing the more complicated programming stuff that's uh, not as obvious how to do it in Quick Team Fusion, which is the engine we use. Okay, that sounds great. So thank you guys so much for coming on the, the Sega Lounge. Um, I've played the Switch version of Polyroll, and I've loved it. Um, Viper, who is another one of our team members here at Radio Sega, uh, played the, the PC version, and he loved it as well. So we're delighted to have you on on the show to talk a little bit about, about the, the game and what happened during development and whatnot. But let's start with a little bit of, of background from you guys, more like a personal side of things. So, for example, Mike, um, are you a big gamer? How did you get, a, get into game publishing? It's a good question. Um, I'm a game developer myself, and um, so I've actually made several games and am working on something else. Um, and... Uh, have sort of been fooling around with game development for, I don't know, I guess it's been about 10 years now and um, kind of got more serious with it about five years ago and went solo indie. And um, and I, I know Justin and Kevin because we all uh, go hang out and we all live in Atlanta. We, we go to meetups together. That's where we got to know each other. And so I played Pulley Roll off and on. You know, he, he said he's been working on it for a long time. I probably played it like five years ago for the first time. And, um, I don't know, I just always have liked it. Um, and you know, they had talked about going to the switch, but, um, we had, since it's built in click team fusion, um, we had to actually get click team to port it to the switch and they wanted a lot of money to do that. And, uh, so they, you know, needed some money to help do that. I was interested in getting involved. So that's kind of how I got into it. Um, but yeah, I do play games. I, uh, I'm, a, I'm, I don't know if I'd say I'm a big gamer. I'm not like, uh, I play mostly indie games <laughs> and retro games and stuff. So I'm not like playing like Call of Duty and, and things like that, um, which is kind of, I guess, the gamer stereotype maybe. Is is uh, that a big gamer, a person who I don't know. Call of Duty? I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure either. I, I'm not a big gamer. I, that's what I think so. of, but... <laughs> Like the, the the bros, the dude bros. Yeah, yeah, dude bro gamers. There you yeah. go. Exactly. There are many exactly. types of gamers. 
Exactly, exactly. They are the big gamers and just the gamers. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so how did you get in, get into gaming? Was there like a, a defining point, like a first console, a first game that you can you know pinpoint? This is when I uh, my passion well, I, for games started. Yeah, I mean, I I had a twenty six hundred. If that ages okay. me a little bit, um, I I had a twenty six hundred and I played uh, I. It's hard to remember all the games I played. I definitely remember playing E.T. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, so, so, I, so although, basically the, the best one. The, only the best one game. I, yeah. It was the only game I could afford because it was like 99 cents or something. You know? And um, <laughs> you could buy like 18 copies of it before it went in the trash. Um, no, I, I, I played... Uh, probably the, the NES was like the, the real... like system where I first got into gaming and I am not really like a arcadey type gamer. I'm more of like an RPG gamer. Um, like legend of Zelda and dragon warrior were like the coolest games I'd ever played before. And I, I like Mario and, you know, so I, I was into kind mm -hmm. of a character platformer a little bit, but I was a little more intrigued by like the RPG and like the sort of fantasy of, you know, being this warrior or whatever. Um, You know, so I, I played a, a ton of those games. Um, I was actually trying to think about, like, what... I, I never owned a Sega console, by the way. Um, <gasps> so I'm a little ashamed. I'm on a Sega podcast and never had a Sega console. Thanks um, for coming, Mike. Yeah, you disconnect now. Yeah. Uh, but, but, but I will say this. One of the best experiences I had, my roommate in college got a Sega CD and um, had Lunar one and two. Oh. I don't know if you ever played those games. And I played those games. I mean, those were like the most amazing games at the time they came out. So I would say that was when I really thought, man, I'd love to make a game someday because those were the first games that actually had me thinking about like, how did they make this? You know, like what was going on here? And like, and then the progression between the first and the second game was like really impressive. The second game, if you haven't played it, one of the best RPGs of all time. Um, Story's awesome. great, everything good. But so that's my only real Sega, like that I remember. I, I definitely have played other Sega games, you know, people's houses and stuff. But like that was the, the big Sega thing I remember. That's a great one. That's a great one. Yeah, excellent. Okay, what about you, Justin? What would you say were your defining moments as a gamer, if you will? Uh, yeah, Sega Genesis. Um. Kind of, that seems kind of obvious looking at my game, but um, yeah, I just I I had I played a little bit of games before that. I had a, a Atari ST computer. Um, actually, one of the first games I ever played that owned technically was actually a Sega game called Dynamite Ducks that I used to play on my Atari ST all the time. Yeah, but yeah, it was really um, like Sonic, Sonic that got me into Sega. Um, And I was basically a, a Sega fan from there on out. Although, uh, to be fair, after the Genesis era, I kind of shifted into Nintendo for a while because they just had the types of games I liked, the platformer games, adventure games, stuff like that. Um, whereas the Saturn was like the home of 2D fighters and RPGs and it was expensive and there was no Sonic game for it. So why, did, why would I care? <laughs> um, so I, I basically was, um, Genesis and Game Gear, and then I got into Nintendo, um, 
Actually, I want to say my, my first Nintendo console, I think, was a Virtual Boy, believe it or not. <laughs> oh, I I got, great. I great got that before I got my Super NES. Um, and and so, the migraine as well. Yes, yeah. You got that before the eyes. migraine as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. How was oh. your first console the Virtual Boy? <laughs> no, it was my first ni- first Nintendo console was Virtual. That is Boy. crazy. Well, it was it was on clearance, and I remember it was actually like I think I was gonna get a Sega Saturn or something, but again, there was no like Sonic games for it, and it was expensive. And I feel like it was one of those like birthday money situations where I like went to the toy store and they had a virtual i could have bought like a virtual boy and like six games for the price of just a saturn and so i just did i don't know the wario game is pretty good i can feel the the rage now (laughs) in our audience that is that is how much as a as a kid i didn't like the saturn i bought a virtual (laughs) boy instead like that's how angry i was there was no good sonic game for saturn if sonic and scream had ever come out you know yeah, <laughs> yeah, but you, yeah. You, you could go with with Sonic Jam and three uh, D. Yeah, that, that was like much yeah. later. That was it's like, not that the was same. Like, I know that was a couple years later though. That was like at the tail end. They finally got a couple Sonic games, and it was still. I didn't get a Saturn until I was in in high school. Till I was like fifteen, I bought a used one with knights and stuff. So, mm-hmm. yeah, okay, very good, uh, Kevin. What about you? Are you a, a dude bro gamer or any other I'm kind more, of gamer? I'm more casual, actually. I, well, <laughs> when I was growing up, I played like uh, Commander Keen and Jill of the Jungle on uh, PC. Like, I liked mm-hmm. PC platformers a lot. Uh, we had one of those shareware compilation discs. Game Empire. Um, <laughs> and... Uh, so I, my dad also had an Intellivision, so we played like Astro Smash and things like that, Space Spartans. Um, okay. And then my first actual console was um, the Genesis with Sonic 2 pack-in, which actually my parents got me because I was watching the Urkel Sonic Adventures of Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> and like, so I found the cartoon before the games, which is kind of a weird order probably. <laughs> no, that was, that's what happened to me. I was watching, I used to come home every day and watch Tom and Jerry, and one day I came home and Tom and Jerry wasn't on, and some stupid cartoon called Sonic was on, and then like immediately, <laughs> I'm like, this is awesome. And then I found out it was a game later, because my cousin got it, got a Genesis for Christmas or something, and I'm like, I need that. Yeah. I didn't even know there was a Sonic cartoon. There were two. Dude, oh my gosh. There's there two, yeah. There were more yeah. than two, actually. Yeah. There's well, way there more were, now. There were, there were, <laughs> two, the, there the were two at the same on. time. That's what was weird. Yeah, there were two yeah. at the same time, and Urkel was on both of them. <laughs> Urkel but was I, on I mean, that, that's the idea behind the cartoons as well, right? So it's to get people or get kids to get the game. Yeah, Sega's no, marketing sort of works. heard of Sonic. <laughs> yeah. It's basically the same strategy Nintendo used with Super Mario the movie. <laughs> I mean, kind of. It's kind of the same. Yeah, yeah. That, that was more like of a, a masterpiece for the oh, yeah. Okay, so that that's nice. That you you have different backgrounds uh, in a sense, uh, but you all ended up working together in this project. So let, let's uh, you know go back. In time, uh, and Justin, so um, would you like to tell us, first of all, what is Polyroll for people who haven't heard about it yet? 
Uh, Poly Roll is a uh, classic 2D platformer starring a bug that can roll up into a ball. And it's uh, heavily inspired by classic platformers like Sonic and Mario. And, uh, I mean, it's pretty straightforward. That's about all there is to it. Um, there, there's a bit of uh, um, PC platformer DNA in there as well. It's definitely kind of inspired by those uh, sort of copycat PC games like Jazz Jackrabbit and Zool um, mm -hmm. that came out in the early 90s trying to sort of bring the console experience to PC. So uh, it's got some of that DNA in there as well. Um, yeah. 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 Why uh, uh, Polly Rolly? Like what? Like why the bug? Why, or? why the character? Yeah. Why uh, not a, a hippo? <laughs> Uh, I think it was just as simple as needing uh, a, an animal that could roll up into a ball. Um, and there's, you know, there's a handful of those, but I thought the bug aesthetic was a little different than um, the typical character. It tends to be like mammals and stuff like that. So going with an insect theme just, I think, set it out a little bit from, from mm -hmm. the crowd. And S S Sega already took armadillos, so... <laughs> that many options yeah okay and how did the idea uh came about so how did you th think about this why a platformer when did it happen yeah so it was i had uh i had just released clash force and i was planning my follow-up game this uh, both clash force was released on ios as well this is in 2012 and um i had I had already thought about this premise of like taking a, a rolling mechanic and sort of dropping it into Mario. So I had actually done like a little test where I took the first level from Mario Brothers and I dropped a Sonic sprite into it um, and just gave it like the spin dashing and rolling mechanic. And it was actually, it kind of fell into place uh, surprisingly well, even though the level wasn't really designed around that mechanic. Um, and I think the interesting thing was, you know, Mario throws, you know, these um, shells that that ricochet off everything. And so because of the first mm -hmm. level of Mario has these pipes, I found that when you'd, when you'd roll off of them as Sonic, you know, this idea that he would ricochet between them kind of set it apart a little bit because Sonic just rolls into a wall and stops. So the ricocheting mechanic kind of set it apart. But the idea was always to, to sort of take a more straightforward, straightforward uh, platformer mechanic, more like Mario, um, and add that rolling mechanic in. Um, mm -hmm. You know, it doesn't play super fast the way that Sonic does, but honestly, Mario was pretty quick to begin with. Um, and so a lot of the inspiration was actually like the Game Gear Sonic games, which were a little slower paced just due to the hardware. Yeah. Um, and I always felt like those games kind of only sort of worked because you had this like smaller resolution and when they tried to make you go fast you really couldn't see what was ahead of you i mean i remember the sonic 2 game gear game was just non-stop blind jumps you like had no idea where you were going so the idea was to sort of go back to a, a bigger resolution but with that sort of gameplay style and just blend the two together yeah yeah i, I think that's what people uh that look at polyroll you know that that's what the idea they get. They they 
are reminded of the 2D, the 8-bit Sonic games, actually. Uh, yeah, I was. I mean, I was happy once I put it out there that you know people were just getting it. I mean, even like which I thought the the sort of DOS PC aspect kind of fell away from it a little bit, but like people still definitely pick up on that. So so everything that I kind of intended, people are getting out of it. I love that so. some of our Steam reviews mentioned like the DOS platformer influences. Like somebody said we had Euro style level design, which made me really happy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was cool. Things are coming through, yeah. I think it kind of depends on people's experiences in the past, right? So people who played console games probably don't remember the DOS game, so mm-hmm. that's probably why pe- different people are reminded of different things. Yeah, we just we just crammed it all in there and they <laughs> get out of it what they want. They just find it. Awesome. <laughs> but you, you were mentioning uh, Clash Force, right? So Clash Force was your first game, but it had nothing to do with Polyroll. It was like a, a run-and-gun, uh, Contra-like game, right? Yeah, it was sort of a Contra Mega Man, left-to-right, mm-hmm. some very simple shooter. So it like a, a change of, of genres there between the two games. Yeah, I mean, I think... You know, I, I think I like those two genres almost equally. Uh, I guess I, I lean towards platformers, but pro- platformers are a lot more complicated to develop just because of all the interactions that the character has to have with the enemies, whereas a shooter, you're just blowing things away. And that was really the reason why I did Clash Force first. Um, it was my first iOS game, and I wanted to tackle something fairly simple that I could, could develop quickly and get it out there and test the waters and figure out how to proceed. So mm-hmm. that was that was the reasoning behind that. Yeah. Okay, so uh, you released the, the game first, so Polyroll, uh, on iOS in 2012, was it? Yes. Yeah. Um, it took a while to uh, port to other systems. So um, you ended up in 2018, if I'm not mistaken, um, showing the game at Sage, Sage Expo. Um, why Sage Expo? Because of the Sonic influences? Were you familiar with Sage at all? Yeah, I, I knew about it. I've played various Sonic fan games over the years. And uh, I, I actually submitted the Clash Force 2 demo to Sage the year before that. And we got a good okay. reaction from it because there's a lot more... You know, people are submitting Mario games and original games to it. And it's become somewhat of an indie game expo. I mean, obviously, there's people that just want sonic games but mm-hmm. um yeah I, I felt like uh it was just it was the right audience to get the game out there and make people aware of it and um you know it's free to do and uh, people reacted really positive and people reacted positively to clash force uh, and poly roll so um it just seems like it's the right uh, it's the target audience it's i mean the audience for those games is is the audience i'm in i guess yeah Excellent. And yeah, and, and the reception was great, so that kind of makes sense that people are, are excited about a, um, a Sonic-inspired game. So th- I think that's the, the correct audience, you're right. Um, and uh, Mike, you were mentioning some, some challenges uh, when porting to the Switch, right? Yeah, yeah. We, uh, we definitely had some challenges. I mean, uh, mostly it was just, you know, we had to go through a third party, basically, to get onto to get the, the game ported. Um, mm-hmm. 
yeah, I mean, that, that was really it. So it was more of just a, a monetary challenge, I guess, than anything else. But we did we did have to redo, we did quite a bit of work on the menus. That was more Kevin's uh, work that he did. Um, but I think that was to, to really make sure the game um, worked well for consoles. Um, I think that's kind of the big difference maybe between like a PC audience and a console audience. You know, they're more accustomed to you know, very smooth menu interactions and things like that. Yeah. Uh, I noticed between... Uh, I, I didn't play the, the iOS version of the game, but I, I uh, looked at some footage online, and I noticed that there wasn't a map, for example, full-fledged map like there is in the in the, the current version of, of Polyroll. Was there anything else that was added to these uh, newer versions Oh yeah, there was a lot of stuff. We tried to eradicate all that footage from the iOS version, but uh, <laughs> some of those sites wouldn't wouldn't comply and take it down. So um, yeah, uh, the, yeah, there was no map. I wanted there to be a map, but it was just uh, I, you know, Polyroll, the original Polyroll for iOS, I developed in like six months, which frankly I don't even know how I did that. Um, yeah, the, the map just became uh, too big of a challenge, so there's more of just a basic sort of menu system. There were still branching paths, but um, it wasn't as complex. Um, yeah, there, there's a lot. I mean, the, the graphics were revamped from top to bottom, from the sprite uh, to the levels. Um, there were adjustments made to level design. Um, in the original game, there was only one gold gem to find in every level, so we added uh, two more to each level. So there's three now. Um, mm -hmm. We added uh, additional levels. There's a the, the final boss and the final final boss is completely added. Uh, that wasn't in the original game. I want to say there's like something like twelve additional levels, all all in the city level. Um, one of the levels I completely redesigned almost from scratch. So, yeah, there's just uh, a lot of content, the menu, the graphics, new music, um, the controls. You know, the iOS is, is tricky because you've got touch controls. And so, um, actually, yeah. when, when it came out on iOS, people actually, the, the reviews were actually very positive towards the controls because what I did was what other people weren't doing. Other people were just trying to translate your standard console, PC, um, platformer controls to the touch screen. And I kind of went in, because my game is completely original, it wasn't a, a port or anything. Um, I designed the controls to be very stiff for iOS to make sure that, like, if your finger slipped, you know, you could instantly put it back on. And there's just a lot of tweaking that goes into it to making that those iOS controls work. But once you go on a PC or console, it's it's it doesn't feel right for this genre of game. So the controls had to be completely redone, the movements the interactions with enemies. I mean, basically the whole sort of collision system had to be reevaluated. So it's, it's a pretty top to bottom transformation. Um, mm -hmm. This is definitely the game I would have liked to release, you know, eight years ago. Okay. You, you bring up a, a good point. You were talking about the controls on the, the iOS version. Um, was, did you have to do something in regards to, uh, you know, position of things on the screen so that people wouldn't you know cover something important with their fingers when trying to touch the controls or does that yeah, I mean I uh, go into the planning part of I things? think one of the things that made the game have like that Amiga look was actually that it runs at like a higher resolution than most um, 
you know, retro style games run at like a lower resolution, like 320 by 224 or something. Whereas on iOS, I used to mm-hmm. remember what the exact iOS resolution was, but I basically just made the resolution a little bigger. So you had, you could see ahead of yourself a little bit more on that tiny screen with your fingers over it. And of course the controls were pushed all the way to the bottom of the screen. I found what a lot of like games that they would port, um, they wouldn't redo the controls at all. So they just like drop a whole D pad onto the screen but the thing about that is 90% of games didn't need the up or down buttons. So you had all this extra screen real estate taken up by a whole D-pad. And then it meant that your left and right buttons were smaller. So I just basically made the left and right buttons all there was. And that's that's sort of why you know, I didn't do the spin dash like Sonic does where you have to press down on a button. It's just one button so that it can be on the other side. And you wouldn't have to you know, fumble around with the touchscreen to, to perform that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, uh, it's a, the most important question. Uh, Heart Palace Two. First <laughs> of all, why? Uh, <laughs> why? It, why? Why? <laughs> and second, is the, why is it so hard? <laughs> is that the hardest one or the third? I guess the second one. For me, yeah. for me, it was. For me, it was. Yeah, the um, second one. <laughs> was was you know, it was that in 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 the iOS version? The Heart Palaces were not in the iOS version at all, no. So that was an addition. Um, We definitely made the game harder for PC. The game was on the easier side for iOS, again, for the reason that the controls aren't going to be precise and you need to be a little more forgiving. Um, I think the idea behind the Heart Palaces was that they weren't necessary. You didn't need to beat them to, to complete the game. Um, So it was sort of an optional thing, and we just wanted to have some... A, a few sections in the game that were brutally challenging for those who wanted to be brutally challenged. Yes. <laughs> brutally. It, yes. it worked, apparently. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I actually uh, I had a, a, an interesting experience with Polyroll. Uh, I played, uh, I think, throughout a, a, an entire weekend. I was not uh, at home. I took my Switch with me. I had to go on a family trip. Um, and I remember um, whatever, you know, small periods of time, short periods of time that I had throughout the weekend, I, I took to pick up my Switch and play some a, a little bit more of the game. And then I, I remember I I was at uh, some place, I'm not sure where, but I tried Heart Palace 2. And my wife was like, is everything okay? <laughs> yes, why? And, no, it's cool. Is everything okay? Why? Why? And I was like red of rage and and really <laughs> almost throwing my switch at the ground. Well, I hope yeah. I hope our game does not <laughs> result in broken switches anywhere. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's actually uh, quite satisfying when you finally get to it. I'm I'm not a great gamer, I have to say. Probably your your mileage will vary for sure. So. Uh, yeah, most people probably think Heart Palace 2 is very easy. But yeah. <laughs> well, I don't. I don't know. I, I, I it, don't it know is, about that. Yeah. It is challenging. I think and two I, and three, we got a lot of complaints. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously, I'm I'm biased. I made the game, so I'm pretty good at it. But uh, I, like, I don't <laughs> I don't consider myself that good of a gamer either. I mean, frankly, I think the Sonic games were on the easier side, and those were my favorite games. Um, but I'm not. Uh, I'm not. Let me just I, say I, that Justin, I. The day we launched, we were streaming the game, and and I was 
I was playing at one point and I died like a hundred times on one level and Justin like closes his eyes and does it in one <laughs> life. Okay. Well, so. I mean, come on. I made the game, but I've never beaten a Mega Man game in my life. So I'm not sure anyone's so, beaten Mega Man 1. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I, I, I remember when I, when I realized there was Heart Palace 3, I I almost lost it, but it was way easier for me actually. I thought no, this okay. is this is like the pinnacle of challenge in this game. There's nothing else, I'm sure. And then after a while, Heart Palace three, no, but it was easier. Yeah. So, so w what would you say? Uh, uh, are is, is Heart Palace or the the three stages in Heart Palace are those the the most challenging for people, from your perspective? I would I would guess so. I know people struggled with the our testers struggled with the gauntlet, but I think we made some adjustments to it. So um, it's probably somewhere between yeah the gauntlet and the heart palaces. And maybe the plug boss was one we had to adjust to. We actually made that one a little bit easier. Somebody said the ghost boss could be the final boss in a some mm, review. Yeah, the ghost boss is really tough. hard. Yeah, <laughs> I I think you I think there's certain times where I've died like a hundred times in a row on the ghost boss, and then other times I'm playing and I beat it the first try. I it's just weird. It just depends on the roles that you get. For yeah. Oh yeah. Bit. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Heart palace too, though. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, <laughs> I, I, that's probably the one I've heard mentioned the most. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm not complaining though. I I, I like a good challenge. I like to feel like I'm ready to throw my controller at the TV or something. Or in this case, my Switch to the ground. But yeah, it's, it's satisfying when you finally get it. If you finally get it. Because Hard Palace 2 will crush your soul. Um, yeah. <laughs> okay, so uh, you, you guys ended up uh, releasing the game on, on PC, on uh, Switch. Are are there plans for any other ports of Polyroll at this point? I don't think so at the moment. Um, it doesn't seem like it would be worth it for us, um, just based on what we know of the uh, PlayStation and Xbox and, and how it did on the other consoles. So we'll have to see. I mean, you know, anything's possible. I guess uh, we're still going to be doing some discounts on switch and steam and we'll see if it takes off a little more there but it's a, it's a really tough environment to launch a game you know in 2019 2020 so um you know, very, very I, I, th I think a few years ago it was hard uh being a, an indie developer because you had to there weren't many indie games that thrived on 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 these consoles or or even on on steam steam was I think always an, an easier platform for indie games, but nowadays I think the challenge is there are too many indie games available for people, right? Do you share the same yeah, kind of view or? I I think I think we're kind of at a point where um, where you're going to see some reduction in the the number of people that are trying to make um, professional level games. Um, I, probably not in like the the sort of. Uh, I mean, I'm not using this word to describe the games. It's just what I hear people say, but the shovelware type stuff. Um, mm -hmm. That's, you know, like the amateur type games that people are making. Um, 
So I, I think you'll still see that there in the background. But my guess is that, you know, Steam made a bunch of algorithm changes last year toward the end of the year, um, which have really hurt uh, traffic. We, we really think that's one of the reasons Pulley Roll hasn't done as well as even uh, Clash Force or some of the other games that came out you know, in the two years before, it's just, uh, it's very difficult to, to find the audience on Steam. Like you said, I mean, it's, it's mostly a function of there just being so many games, but, um, you know, it's partly at least that these algorithm changes, you're sort of at the mercy of, of whatever the platform wants to do. And I mean, of course that's their right. I mean, they, it's their platform. They can do whatever they mm -hmm. want. And, you know, obviously some games are finding, as the same or better audience, um, but others are not. And, you know, it's, it's sort of a, we don't really understand exactly why that is and, um, and so forth. But, um, I, I think, uh, I think you're still, you know, there's still a market for games. You just have to be smart about it and how much time and money you put into them, you know, and, mm -hmm. and is it worth it? Are you going to get that back or not? I mean, we, we don't, I, I think, it, you know, the three of us don't necessarily do it because, um, you know, we're trying to make big bucks or whatever. We, we, we love making games. It's, it's something we like to do. And, um, and so that's why we're in it. You know, I, I'm, I'm, I guess I'm speaking for you guys, but I have a feeling you'd probably say something similar. Yeah. And they're like, no, we're definitely for the big bucks. Yeah. I mean, you know, if, if we made big bucks, that'd be amazing. But, you know, I'd settle for just like medium bucks. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not a, a big PC gamer. And by big, I mean, I'm really not a PC gamer at all. Uh, but just looking at the, the, the Switch eShop, it's firstly, it's kind of hard to find games that are not released this week. Uh, and then even then... If you if you want to find a game that was released like today, you have to scroll through a list of like thirty or forty games. Most of them, like you said, shovelware. So it's very hard for a game to stand out. Um, and and I I believe that that would be a, a, a very big challenge for people releasing a game. So I I feel yeah like it's you know timing is so so big with releasing a game too and I I oh, think yeah. we. We, we had a really rough launch week because, like, okay, let me tell you the other games that were launching the same time we were. Okay, first of all, you had Aladdin Lion King re-release. Okay, so right there, <laughs> that's getting a lot of people's money. You had Super Monkey Ball. Okay. Uh, I think there was, a, there was a, um, a Harvest Moon game that came out the same day as us. And then two days later, uh, you had Luigi's Mansion 3. Yeah. Okay. So I mean, right there, it's really tough. Like, I mean, people only have so much money to spend on games, and so you can't really expect them. You know, you you've got these four like games that people really want, and of course, that's where they're going to go. You know, and and Poly Roll did okay. I'm not going to complain about Poly Roll, but um, I think you know it's it is very difficult to stand out and um, and and to to really do well right now. And like you said, I mean, once you're off the new releases it's really hard to find you. And, and even if you go to like the great deals page on your switchy shop, I mean, how many pages are you scrolling down to find? Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I don't, I, I haven't actually checked to see where we are like on the list, but I'm sure that we're not very high. So most people probably don't even know. So people listening to us right now, 
just go get it. Just go buy it. Go get it. It may we'll, never we'll, be we'll on give sale everyone again. Everyone like thirty seconds to buy the game and come back to <laughs> listen to the podcast because there's no pause button on on their phones or anything. So we'll have to you know, just wait for thirty seconds for people to pick up their switches and buy. Yeah. Uh, also, while we we wait for people to download the game, um, it's kind of hard to uh, use the eShop because it's kind of slow. So that, that's also something that if if you're scrolling through multiple pages of games and deals and whatnot, at some point you'll get fed up with it because it's very slow. So at least for for, for me, I, I think. There's so many good games on the Switch right now that you, you all you have to, you don't have to go very far to find a game you'd like. Probably, you know. I mean, that's the other yeah. thing. You, it's it's an embarrassment of riches on the Switch. I, I have a massive backlog myself already, and, um, you know. Yeah, but, I mean, Heart Palace too. So. Heart yeah. Palace too. Heart, Everyone Heart Palace. Could, you could get that. you could get ten hours right there. Exactly. <laughs> I don't know if that's a marketing point. I, I think it should be. <laughs> oh God! No, just oh, it's like a classic platform. No, no, just like Heart Palace Two. That that should be the slogan, the tagline. Polyroll Heart Palace Two. Yeah. Uh, so thank you, thank you. I I will send you my account number after the the interview <laughs> ends. Um. <laughs> <laughs> because of this idea this is a, a million dollar idea uh, anyway oh, yeah. anyway let's let's take a quick break and then when we come back I have a surprise for you guys so uh, get hyped yeah there's a surprise hooray <laughs> yay <laughs> This episode of the Sega Lounge is sponsored by the Pine Pot Breakfast Diner. Ever wondered what it's like to have some delicious pancakes and coffee while witnessing a rogue police officer beat down a street punk? Try the specials, bacon and sausage hunter style, phone booth fried chicken and the ever popular huge apple on tiny plate. Feeling hungry? Come on over to the Pine Pot Breakfast Diner right in front of the fire hydrant and the street lamp and next to bar El Devo. And we're back. That was very, very quick. Uh, that was a, a very quick break. Welcome back to the Sega Lounge, guys. We have Mike, Justin, and Kevin. Hello again. Hello. Hello. Hey. Hey. Okay, we're, we're talking polyroll. Uh, before we, I get into the surprise, uh, so uh, you you mentioned uh, you know sales and whatnot. Are there any plans to promote this game a little bit more? Are there any plans to patch anything that needs patching at this point, or are you pretty much done with it? Well, now that you mentioned Heart Palace 2 so much, I feel like we need to make a patch for that. No, don't do that. <laughs> That's the selling point. Don't ruin that. <laughs> um, I don't... Um, there's maybe a few little things. It's kind of, you know, it's a process of getting patches out and everything, so you don't want to kind of push it out all at once. I don't, I don't know if there's anything, like, major on the docket right now that needs to be mm -hmm. fixed. Um. So, no. We'll probably wait till Polyroll Two is ready. 
No That's pressure. not an announcement. Don't give them any <laughs> ideas. This could be 10 years from now, another 10 years. It's going to be a masterpiece, though. I'm sure you will. It's going <laughs> to be a Metroidvania RPG first-person shooter. And it's all it's going to be timed like Heart Palace 2, so you have to beat <laughs> the, 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 whole entire, is... the whole Metroidvania in 10 minutes. <laughs> Releasing on the Switch U. Uh, definitely the, the the successor to the Switch and the the PS6. Uh, anyway, so uh, there's a surprise. So people who come on on the Sega Lounge, our guests, are all great people, and they all get a surprise called the Sega Lounge Challenge. Now that you know our guests, it's time to put them to the test. It's the moment we've waited for, and the moment they dread. Welcome to your doom. I mean, welcome to the Sega Lounge Challenge. <laughs> In your case, I thought to myself, so people are comparing uh, Polyroll to um, the 8-bit Sonic games. So mm -hmm. why not do a little... And they're like, mm-hmm. Yeah, so why not uh, do a little quiz uh, all right, Mike, balls. you have to answer all the questions. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> this, this is Kevin's game, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, I haven't he's played a, much of it. He's been a little bit game quiet, so he's you know, just studying. Right. Yeah. So I have – it's easy. We have five questions. Some of them I consider easy, and two of them are hard. All right. uh, but I can turn them into easy questions because the difference between a hard and an easy question is an easy question is a multiple choice question. The hard one, you only get the question. So well, let's have um, them. Let's have them. Let's see. We have five questions. Are you guys ready for this? Do you yes. want to play against each other? Do you want to play as a group co-op? There's no reason to play against each other because I'll defeat both of them, and it would be yeah. I, I see no reason to let anyone <laughs> other than Justin answer these. <laughs> Maybe Kevin. Okay. Maybe Kevin stands a chance. But... I have no idea. If if you want to even know like uh, what is Sonic, I'm not even sure I could tell you. That's a joke. I think he's like purple or something. It's a uh, It's a new movie coming out next month. Oh, that's true. Right. Yeah. I like the old character with the teeth. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so controversy right here. Uh, so let's do this. Let's do the Sega Launch Challenge with the Polyroll team. Question number one. This is one that I have uh, marked as hard, but you know, you'll see. Which version of 8 bit Sonic the Hedgehog, so Sonic 1, 8 bit? lacked a Sega splash screen while the other featured one with a jumping Sonic sprite. So, which version of 8-bit Sonic... That means there are only two options, Master System or, or Game Gear. Which of them lacked the Sega splash screen with a jumping Sonic sprite? Oh my gosh. 50-50, uh... right here. <laughs> Do you have one, one you can go pull out and... <laughs> Uh, I, I actually don't have Sonic 1 for Master System. I do have it for Game Gear. I have not played it in probably 20 years. Um, I mean... Uh, I mean... No technically, the game, the game Gear was a more powerful system uh, in terms of the color palette, at least. 
ran at a lower resolution. So basically you're saying that I could answer this question as well as you could. Well, maybe, maybe. <laughs> uh, but at the same time, uh, yeah, I don't know. I feel like, I don't know. I don't know uh, which one lacked it. The, yeah, so I don't know. The, think about the it. Game, uh, He's just stalling for time. I was going to say the Game Gear one. I'm going to say the... Yeah. One of them, maybe they didn't even need a splash screen. Saying Sega. Oh, yeah, I, yeah. Maybe. You're right. The Master System had the default Sega screen, didn't it? Didn't have something like that. I don't know. Uh, I'm, I'll am i say the Master System didn't have it. Final answer? Sure. Are you really, really sure? No. <laughs> uh, I, that seems like a good guess to me. I'm going with that. That is correct. The Ooh. Master System was the correct yes. answer. Yeah, so, yeah, the Master System already had a, a, a built-in uh, splash screen, Sega screen, when you right. booted up the console. So, yeah, uh, the Game Gear version, though, had a, a Sega splash screen with uh, jumping Sonic. Yeah, uh, I vaguely remember so. that. Yeah, that's it. Okay, well done. So, question number two, ready? This is one yes. of the easy ones. Oh, I think. thank God. Okay, uh, let's see. Sega released Sonic Chaos for the Game Gear and Master System in 1993. In Japan, however, the game had a different name. Was it A, it was Sonic, Sonic Dash? And Sonic and Tails. Was it B, Sonic and Tails? <laughs> or was it C, Sonic Labyrinth? <laughs> so, are you sure? I'm really? going with Sonic and Tails. Sonic Dash, though. That's Sonic a good Rampin. name, though. Yeah. What did you say? Sonic and Tails? Sonic, Sonic and, Tails. and Tails? Really? That's like kind of bland, no? <laughs> Sonic Chaos in the West. Sonic and Tails in Japan. Yep. Okay, that's it. That is the correct answer. Well done. Two for two. You're awesome. a winner, Justin. Yay. Amazing. Amazing. Okay. Question number three. Also an easy question. Maybe. At the end of... Both acts of a zone in Sonic 1 8-bit version, the player has to spin a bonus panel to clear the act. The panel can land on different things. What happens if it lands on an exclamation point? So option A. Do you need options? or? I think I need options. It's been a long time. Okay, option A. So you get an exclamation point. A. The player gains access to the special stage. B. The player gets an extra life. C. The game ends abruptly and the player gets a screen with Eggman holding a sign saying Pathetic Loser. <laughs> My favorite. I don't remember. I'm trying to remember how you got to the bonus level. I guess that had to. That must have been. Because the, the Chaos Emeralds were in the levels in that game. So the bonus level, I think, was yeah. just for extra lives. I don't know, I'm going to go with the special stage. So, special stage, extra yeah. life, or pathetic special, loser? Special stage. Are you, are you all, you know, do you all agree with this? Is this I'm, the final I'm answer? I'm unsure about this guess, but <laughs> I, I trust no Justin idea. with my life. I, I think <laughs> pathetic God. loser is a good option. I'm leaning nope. away from that one. <laughs> so, option A, special stage, final answer? Sure. That is unfortunately. 
Correct. Yeah. That's correct. <laughs> yes, that is the correct answer. You get you're toying with our to emotions. Stage. <laughs> Welcome to the Sega Launch Challenge. Uh, <laughs> almost as good as a Regis Philbin. Yeah, yeah, just like a younger, bit more handsome. <laughs> okay. Uh, question four. Uh, probably a hard one, because there's no. Um, no options. So, what did the 8-bit version of Sonic 2, the 8-bit version of Sonic 2, have in common with Sonic CD? Apart from the characters and the universe and whatever. So, there was a specific thing in uh, Sonic 2, Game Gear, and Master System that it was the um, the the little level the little level openings. They had a Sonic CD sprite in them. Is that it? The what? There, there was something. Um, I'm, I'm going to give you a hint. It sound, uh, sound related. Oh, is it? Oh, I don't know. I swore it had something to do with the sprite and the little intro was actually a Sonic CD sprite or something. Maybe not. It was sound related. Specific. Oh my gosh! So, Radio Sega listeners probably know this because we're all about the music so i just said it was music oh there was a the theme the theme song for uh the green hill zone wasn't that the japanese sonic Mm. soundtrack type why i can't remember the name the yeah we had sonic boom and they had something else and it was the same song or something sonic warrior was the japanese one (laughs) That that's it. Was that the same song? Was that the same song in Green Hill Zone? So what what's the the answer? I'm confused right now. <laughs> I'm what's your answer? Too. The 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 music in Green Hill Zone was the Sonic CD Sonic theme. Okay, that's an interesting theory. So, <laughs> is that your final answer? Yeah, yeah. Uh, would you believe it? It's true. It is. So <laughs> every <laughs> time in, uh, you drink in Green every Hill time. Zone, yeah, so Green Hill Zone had a, a, an instrumental mix of Sonic You Can Do Anything or Toot Toot Sonic Warrior, as That's you just it. said, uh, Kevin. So, uh, yeah. I think I'm it. right about that sprite thing, though, too. Maybe, maybe, <laughs> yeah. So, so apart from the characters and sprites and moves and whatnot, but this specific thing is also uh, a sound-related resemblance or similarity to Sonic CD. Okay, so one more and you get five for five. So this is an easy one. Which of the following characters makes their debut in the Sonic series in Sonic Triple Trouble for the Game Gear? Okay. A. Fang the Sniper. Yeah, that one. B. Knights. C. Bark the Polar Bear. I'm going with Mr. Weasel. I, I'm waiting for Mike and Kevin to. I, oh, I have no I idea. Have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going with whatever Justin says. So A, B, or C? A. Fang, Knights, Bark. A. 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 And you already know that he's right because he's. Mentioned the other name, Neck the Weasel. So, of course, it's Fang the Sniper, a.k.a. Neck the Weasel. That's the correct, that's the correct 
answer. And so, 5 for 5, amazing. Amazing. What a great, what a great game. Good job, Justin. Good job. What do I get? What do I win? Yeah, so you get the Sega Lounge seal of approval, which I will send to you (laughs) shortly. Um, you get the admiration of your peers. We can we can put the seal on the game box. It's it's actually a seal. It's a, it's an actual seal, but not that kind of seal. It's like an animal with a no thumbs. <laughs> so well, we can feed. We the already game have box we already have seal. a dolphin on the box, so we can put a seal <laughs> okay. on the box too. So I w- I will send it to well, you right now. Actually, uh, should be with you <laughs> shortly. There we Yay. go. So that's our seal of approval. Uh, it's kind of creepy, but it's nice. Uh, yeah, the thumbs. <laughs> I don't know about those thumbs. <laughs> and that wink. Yeah. We need to get this made into a, a t-shirt or something. He needs like a um, Fonzie hairdo. You know, the two thumbs. <laughs> hey. <laughs> amazing, amazing. Well, well done. Well done, guys. Well done. So, um, before we before we, we say goodbye, before we wrap th- things up... Um, what are your you guys' plan for or plans for the future, even if it's not related to Polyroll? Anything you guys are working on that you'd like to promote or talk about? Justin and I are working on prototypes for things, but we're not sure what we're making next yet. Yeah, we're working on like five games at once, and we, we're having <laughs> commitment problems. <laughs> Is Clash Force 2 coming still? Probably. At some someday, okay. Yeah, we'll go with probably one level of a new game than finishing a game. (laughs) It's more fun. It's more creatively rewarding. He has so Justin has like fifteen prototypes. Clash Force Two is is uh, totally different from the first one. It's like more colorful. Yeah, it's it's yeah. The, the first the first one was like an eight bit thing, and this is more of a sixteen bit mm-hmm. Genesis inspired uh, step up. Mm-hmm. So um, it's definitely a more complex project to work on. Okay. So you don't have any announcements about Clash Force? Clash for, um, Oh, right. The original Clash Force is coming to Switch. I don't know when. Hopefully, in the next couple months. So be on the lookout for that. Yeah, okay. so, and and I've got another game I'm working on that will be on Switch, PlayStation, and Xbox, but I don't know exactly when. Um, it's a it's a turn-based tactical game, RPG, so. Okay. And I'm working on a real-time, uh, top-down, sort of mix between action and strategy shooter. Zap Blastin. Okay. So... Actually, everyone had something to share. You were just shy. <laughs> yeah, we're non-committal. Okay. I just wanted him to mention that Clash Force was coming to Switch first. Well, I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> so many games, so little time, so he forgot. Yeah, so Clash Force, be on the lookout for that. If you like Contra, uh, 8-bit style Contra, that's a, a good game for you guys. Excellent. So, before I, I will a- ask you how people can find out more about you guys, how can they follow you on social media and everything, but I, I have a question that I always like to ask our guests. It's been a while, but I like to ask this. So, uh, you probably remember, but um, back in the 90s, one of the advertising campaigns for the Genesis in the US was saying that the console had blast processing, 
right? So they, they said that. That was the major difference, the major uh, edge between the Genesis and, and the Super Nintendo. Uh, what is one thing in the world that you guys think would benefit from having blast processing? And why? <laughs> oh, man, it'd be, it'd be easy to terminate the family-friendly nature of this podcast with, with an answer to that. Um, oh, my God. Uh, oh, man. Mike? 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 Your response? Blast processing. I'm struggling. I'm s- my my I'm bank happy. account, the sales numbers for Polyroll needs yeah. blast processing. Okay. Yeah, we would definitely like that. <laughs> that's a good one that's a good one yeah, yeah. so and, and all the rest that you guys were thinking of but let's not let's keep it this friendly uh, family friendly so yeah yeah definitely the the, the sales for Polyroll yeah let's go with that so how can people uh, find you guys on social media how can people find uh, more info on Polyroll and sales and whatnot? well on Twitter it's Polyroll Game is our is our name uh, on there, and, and we do post uh, when we do discounts and things like that. And uh, if we do updates, we'll probably do some posts and stuff about what, what's coming. Uh, no no promises on that, of course. And if, of course, if we did a sequel, we would do that. Uh, but um, if you want to get like links to the game and stuff, uh, go to Hoff Studios. It's hofstudios.com, and you'll see it's right there on the homepage, and you can get a link to buy it on the switch or PC, you know, whatever your preferred platform is. And uh, I think we might have links to the social stuff there as well. Um, mm-hmm. And I think if you want to get updates on Justin's stuff, he can tell you, uh, he, he does he used to do a lot of posting. I haven't seen anything lately though. What's going on? Yeah. I hate Twitter. <laughs> I really, really don't like using Twitter. Um, Except when I'm, when I'm working on things and I have new screenshots to post, then I do screenshots Saturday. Um, yeah, I have I have a Twitter. It's, I think it's just Spicy Euro Games. Um, and there's a Facebook for Spicy Euro Games. And um, if you do a Google image search for Spicy Euro, you find lots of pictures of delicious Euros and not anything to do with me. Um, yeah. It's not exactly named for a Google placement. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm on yeah, yeah Twitter. I think my Twitter is just Spicy Euro Games. I'm not sure because I hate it. I don't use it. That sounds right. So the, the easiest way to find all of those is to look at the podcast description. I'll be sure to add those there. So if you guys want to uh, learn more about Polyroll and whatever uh, projects uh, Mike, Justin, and Kevin are working on, you know, you can find them there. And um, yeah, so guys, thank you very much for coming on the Sega Lounge. It's been a blast. Uh, do you have any message for people listening to the the show right now, and mostly for people who haven't played Polyroll and are thinking, should I get it? Well, if you if you liked uh, Sonic or or Super Mario World, Super Mario Three, I think you'd dig it. I mean, it's a pretty fun game to play on the Switch. Um, buy it. I think if it's you even even if you liked one and didn't like the other, you still might like Polyroll because uh, a lot of people who don't like Sonic say they like Polyroll, and I think even people who do like Sonic like Polyroll. So um, you should give it a shot. Yeah. And by Clash Force 2. 
that's good too. <laughs> and it's real cheap. Or Clash yeah, Force One. Or or one maybe. Yeah, Clash Force the One. one that, the don't. That's coming out soon. Clash Force pre- also. Pre-order <laughs> Clash Force Two maybe. Pre-order. Right. Yeah. Uh, and of course, you know, Heart Palace Two. So. That, it's that, got that. You should have left There's, that. There is Heart Palace 2 to consider, yeah. yeah you, if yeah. you're looking for a reason to get a new Switch because you threw your old Switch across the room <laughs> and broke it, then you should get Polyroll. <laughs> yeah, if you want to upgrade, get the, the one, the newer one with the, the better battery, but you still have a working original Switch uh, in perfect condition. So just Heart Palace 2 and then you can get a new Switch. Uh, yeah, win-win. Win-win. Okay. Win-win. <laughs> yeah. So, guys, thank you very much for coming on, on the Seg Lounge. Uh, hopefully, uh, we can get you guys back soon uh, to talk about other projects. So, uh, and all the best. And people, buy Polyroll. All right. Thanks, Thanks so for much. having us. Thanks. Appreciate it. Polyroll was a game that initially fell under my radar. Those of you around at the time may remember our Sage 2018 coverage on YouTube, where I was in charge of checking out the greatest 2D games to be offered in the Expo, and Polyroll coverage was nowhere to be seen on the channel for a reason. It's rather silly now, but my memories of the game were being turned away by the art style, which is such a frivolity to get up in arms about, but 8-bit indie games have been done to death, how can this be any different from any other simple platformer I've played? So I didn't touch it, and I probably wouldn't have done if it wasn't for the developers getting in touch with us. Why bring all this up? I'm making up for lost time. Polyroll is a game that gets so much right for me, I wish I'd paid more attention to it throughout its development cycle and hadn't been judgmental over something so minor. After all that said and done, I'm Green Viper 8, and on behalf of Radio Sega, this is my review of Polyroll. Since it ties most games together, why don't we start with the story? Kaiser Kiwi has kidnapped your friends and it's up to you to stop him and rescue your buddies. That's it. You'd think it being me I'd try to pick apart this story for everything it's worth, but not this time round. Whereas a story this simple is baffling in AAA titles such as more recent Mario games, this actually works in Polyroll's favour. We're here, this is why we're in the world, let's run through some levels. For such a small and simple game, expanding the story any more than this would feel unnecessary, and Polyroll has no idea what the word bloat means in any context, so we might as well just move past that. The beauty in the gameplay of the title comes down to its simplicity. The levels are short and snappy, but the game is aware of this and makes sure to spread all the best obstacles over the course of the world. A lot of games have a habit of feeling like they're only just getting started as they end, but considering a lot of these levels are only one minute long, they have a beginning, what feels like a meaty middle, and an end, all jam-packed into such a small package. This, as hinted at earlier, stops the game from feeling bloated, as why stretch out levels or worlds longer than they need to be? For that matter, why stretch out the game longer than it needs to be? This game isn't afraid to spit in the face of other games of this style, because people always mention the phrase of quality over quantity, but few games actually stick to that as well as this one does. It's a title that's not afraid to say that other 2D platformers are too long for the sake of not angering a customer who's just spent all their hard-earned money on the title. To hell with that, I say, as long as the game is fun and memorable, and both boxes here are ticked for me. The obvious comparison that everyone will immediately go with for the gameplay is Sonic the Hedgehog, and of course, that was my first knee-jerk reaction too. Not that my thoughts have changed, mind you, but over the course of playing I started to notice something that I never thought I'd see in a speed-based 2D indie platformer, and that is that the game appears to be pretty heavily inspired by the Master System and Game Gear titles. This shocked me at first, but the comparisons drew larger and larger in my mind as it went on. This is a complete breath of fresh air, as over the last 10 years we've seen so many fan games and original titles ripping and stealing 
stealing cues from the original Sonic trilogy, so seeing a game riff on the ideas presented in their demakes is actually something quite special, and once again, I'm all for it. Nothing to me strikes up this comparison more than when the game teaches you how to ricochet off walls. Immediately in my mind, I flash back to the Sonic 1 8-bit special stages, which brought the awesome memories flooding back. But also the take on the concept here is brilliant, adding a fresh new twist to a concept that's already pretty unique in of itself. Let's go on to an important topic, death. It's inevitable, nowhere more so than Polyroll. That's why it thankfully makes the decision to scrap the archaic live system that platformers prey on and instead chooses to make the challenge down to the level design itself rather than to a limiting number hanging over your head. It's a fantastic design choice and it baffles me that this is the standard for indie titles, yet AAA titles use the outdated system as a get out of jail free card for challenge. Music is an important topic here for us at Radio Sega, duh. So let's take some time to focus on Polyroll's music. While I was writing up notes during my playthrough, my initial notes weren't actually all that positive. The first few tracks very much sounded like your run-of-the-mill mid-2000s flash game, which is a cool aesthetic, but I wasn't really feeling the bopping chip tunes that I was expected based on the presentation of the rest of the title. I'm glad I stuck with it though, because not even one song later and I came to regret my initial thoughts. Polyroll has got some great tracks scattered throughout the journey, and while I personally believe that not all of them fit within their environment, the majority are catchy and memorable, something that is rare for me to say towards NES-style chiptune, as much of it isn't really my cuppa and a lot of these 8-bit indies using the same sound style can get a bit samey. In most cases I prefer a grungy C64 sound any day, but Andrew Riley did a great job of getting me to put aside my preferences to jam out some simple yet effective classically inspired tracks. Polyroll is a game that caught me off guard in a multitude of ways. On one hand, anyone can see the Sonic inspiration a mile off, but the title has so many twists and tricks up its sleeve that unlike many titles inspired by the franchise, it truly stands on its own two feet as a short but sweet title and to the point, a budget indie game. Considering its low price point and just how easy it is to pick up and play, I can safely recommend you nab yourself Polyroll. It might not blow you away in certain aspects, but the charming visuals and genius level design are anything unable to be experienced either on Steam or the Switch as of now. Thanks once again to Shiny Dolphins and Spicy Jaro Games for providing us with two copies of the game. You guys rock! It's almost time to close the doors of the Sega Lounge, but before we do, let me address two important parts of the new format of the show, the art and the theme song. First, let me thank my longtime collaborator, Kopke, for the show art. The reception on social media has been great, and he really did a great job as usual. Follow him on Twitter at Kopke. Second, a huge thank you to OSC, again a long-time collaborator of mine, for the new theme song, a great rendition of Megane, or Glasses, best known from the Project Eva series. You can download the single version of this remix at Name Your Price from OSC's Bandcamp page at opusciencecollective.bandcamp.com. That's it for this episode of the Sega Lounge, the first of season 5 of the show. I want to thank my guests for the week, Mike Stumhofer from Hoff Studios, Justin Craig from Spicy Euro Games, and Kevin Dressel from Shiny Dolphin Games. Be sure to check out Polyroll. I also want to thank Viper for his review of the PC version of the game. Be sure to come back next week for another interview. I have some great guests and conversations lined up for the next few episodes and I'm sure you'll enjoy them. Don't forget to subscribe to the Sega Lounge on your usual podcast provider and all 5 stars reviews are much appreciated. I will talk to you next time. The Sega Lounge 
hosted by me, KC, and part of Radio Sega's network of radio shows and podcasts. Theme song and incidental music by OSC. Find them at opusciencecollective.com. Got any suggestions? Drop me an email to kc at radiosega.net or send me a voice message on anchor.fm slash the Sega Lounge. You can find previous episodes of the Sega Lounge by going to anchor.fm slash the Sega Lounge and wherever fine podcasts are downloaded. 